Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And good afternoon, good evening, everyone who's listening across the country, wherever you're at. So glad that you're tuned in to Calvary Live. This is the program where you get to call in. You just heard that number, 303-690-3000. That's the call-in number. And you get to ask questions about Christian living, about the Bible, about uh, what's our worldview as we see the things going on around us. And uh, there are so many things going on around us that people are confused about, they wonder about, they they are thinking, what does God have to say about this? It's an important uh, that we go to the Word of God and we get a good Christian uh, biblical worldview, the things that we see taking place around us. Uh, because it can be confusing for people. So give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. That's another way for you to be able to call. Uh, to That is not called. That's the second number I gave you is the text line, 720-336-0897. That's for texting only, so be safe. But it's another way for you to be able to ask a question or ask for prayer, and you can call in with your prayer requests as well. So let me give you those two numbers again. Maybe perhaps you're new to, to Calvary Live, 303-690-3000. We'll get you uh, on the radio. The call-in number, and this really is your show, and we like to have that conversation with you. So anywhere in the country, that number will work. And then another way is we have time to fill in space uh, during the show for a text question and uh, for prayer requests is 720-336-0897. want to welcome all of you who are listening on this Tuesday, uh, the 22nd of March it, on Grace FM along the Front Range in Colorado, two different stations, 101.7 down Pueblo, Colorado Springs, and also in Fountain in that area. I'd love to hear from you guys uh, so give me a call. And then also 89.7, a powerful uh, signal up in northern Colorado into southern Wyoming, the metro area, and we'd love to hear from you as well. And then also I uh, would like to uh, welcome all those who are listening live on Radio Bike Race and over 70 stations throughout the country. Give me a call. Uh, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And then the online listeners as well, we welcome you if you're perhaps listening to the Grace FM app or maybe perhaps you're listening on the website. We even get international listeners, so we want to welcome all of you. And then those of you who are listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you are week delayed, which simply means that you get to uh, call in, we have our conversation, and then it will air a week from today. It's a week delayed, so... Give me a call. Always love to hear from you guys on the East Coast and Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, New Jersey, uh, other parts of the East Coast. Love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. 
those lines can fill up quickly. So uh, if you have opportunity or desire to call, give me a call right now. Let's go to phone lines. Let's go to Steve and Blackhawk. Hi, Steve. Hi, Pastor. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I can, I'm hoping you can help me out with uh, a little bit of uh, understanding. I was uh, reading Hebrews uh, 9 of the about the first covenant and uh, the second, hopefully, last covenant. Uh, and uh, the first was between God and Israel with regulations, uh, with all the all the sacrifices and everything, and then Jesus came to give us the second. Um, um, now, when Jesus gave us, uh, uh, completed the second, when he said on the cross that it is finished, did, right. did he say that because his current chore was over with or because the covenant had been completed? Yeah, and you're asking good questions. And the book of Hebrews, when you go through it and reading through it, you know that um, the Hebrew believers in the first century were really kind of, uh, they were struggling in the sense of they had come out of Judaism, and they were thinking all the Old Covenant, the sacrifices, uh, the temple, the, the law, was that all for nothing? And uh, they had a, a temptation to go back to it and trust in it. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling those Hebrew believers, listen, that Jesus, that he is superior. He, uh, His sacrifice was superior to the animal sacrifices. Uh, his priesthood, uh, he after the order of Melchizedek, was superior because Jesus, um, he is called king and priest in the scriptures, that he wasn't even from the tribe of Judah. The, the, those of Judaism would say, hey, Jesus couldn't be a priest because He's not from the tribe of Judah. Um, everything about Jesus, the, the writer of Hebrews, the whole theme in, in a very simple word of Hebrews is that Jesus is superior. He sacrificed with superior. He ministers in a superior um, tabernacle that is the heavenly tabernacle. And what we see in chapter 9 is that the writer of Hebrews, just to kind of sum it up, is comparing that old covenant with the new covenant. And... Um, so he goes over the old covenant, the tabernacle, uh, the furnishings, and all that, which, by the way, pointed to Jesus Christ, um, like the shoe bread table that's mentioned there. It points to the fact that um, Jesus is the bread of life, the menorah that was in the tabernacle. Jesus is the light of the world. So all these things of the Old Testament point to Jesus. You might recall that Jesus said to the religious leaders, that you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which speak of me. Now, one of the the points, and this is really important, um, that the writer of Hebrews makes in in this book here, we think that perhaps it was Paul the Apostle. Uh, We don't know for sure, but uh, that's what many scholars believe, that Paul was the human instrument to write the book of Hebrews. But in it, that the Old Covenant had to be replaced because the sacrifices were not enough to take away sin. It was just a covering of sin until Jesus came and died once and for all. So as you're reading the book of Hebrews, you see that term once and for all. That the the tabernacle itself, the problem with the Old Covenant, it didn't even bring um, the, the people into the presence of the Lord. Um, 
because only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies for a short time on the Day of Atonement after elaborate washings and cleansings. The sacrifices had to do, be done over and over and over again because it only covered, it wasn't enough. He goes over the greatness of Christ's sacrifice. And so Jesus, when he died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, three wonderful words, what he was saying is, is that my sacrifice is complete. I've done the work. I paid the price in making atonement for, you know, sinful humanity, making atonement for your sins, my sins. And then it's interesting because Matthew records that the veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place was rent in two. Um, And it was like the Lord was saying that, you can now come into my presence. So chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, it tells us that therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Uh, th- that's an amazing statement. Um, if Aaron, the high priest, read that, um, because he would read that of the Old Testament and say, you can go into the Holy of Holies at any time you want. You can do it as many times as you want and stay as long as you want. We can do it because of our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so his sacrifice was superior, the greatness of his sacrifice. And I hope Christians understand that as well, Steve, because sometimes Christians think, well, you know, Jesus died for me, but I'm not really saved just in coming by faith. I have to do some work of the law. I have to worship on some day. I have to do this thing. Jesus said it is is finished. And as I always tell my people, never put a question mark where God puts a period. He did the work. He paid the price for sinful humanity. So there's so much there. It's such a glorious book to tell us that Jesus paid it all. So the is finished, it is finished was not actually saying that everything's, everything's done instead of completing the new covenant. He started the new covenant and it's yeah. up to to complete it uh yeah. like he completed the first covenant yeah and as, the, as you uh, look, the, the prophets yeah the new covenant is saying that jesus that that he paid the price for sinful humanity he died once and for all we have forgiveness of sin and now we can come into the presence of the father because of what jesus christ has done the old covenant couldn't do that so the the old covenant had to be, uh, you know, uh, void and, and null, and now we live in the new covenant as we live by grace. We live by faith in Jesus Christ who's provided salvation for us. So, in, yeah, that's, that's what the writer of Hebrews is getting across. And so the first coming of Jesus was actually uh, the, the fulfillment of uh, the original covenant, which— really didn't work very well, and the second coming of Jesus will be the fulfillment of the second covenant. Yeah, and Jesus, yeah, Jesus, as he came, um, the the new covenant, he has provided that salvation. The old covenant, you know, the sacrifices, all of that are just shadows of Jesus, who's the reality. And Paul writes about that in Colossians chapter 2 that, you know, don't let anybody judge you on Sabbaths, new moons, festivals, which are just uh, a shadow of things, Jesus being the reality. 
and he's the one that died once and for all. So it all pointed to Jesus. It's all fulfilled by Jesus. And then in the New Covenant, when you read in Jeremiah and stuff, and Jeremiah's writing concerning the nation of Israel, but the ultimate fulfillment when Jesus Christ comes back, and, you know, it's it's connected a lot of times to um, Israel that I'm going to write my law not on the tablets of stones, but on the tablets of your heart. And as he will return again, we get to enjoy this new covenant now. But, you know, as he comes back and establishes his kingdom and the new covenant um, that we get to enjoy now is based on grace and his sacrifice on the cross. Amen. All right, Steve, good question. Keep reading. It's a it's a wonderful book. It, it most indeed is. <laughs> it indeed is. God, you Thank bu- you. God bless you. I'll talk to you next Thank time. you, Steve. Bye-bye. You bet. You have a great day. 303-690-3000. You know, Hebrews, one of the things about Hebrews is it's a very technical book in some sense. It really helps to know some of the uh, Old Testament and the references that are made there. Uh, but the the whole theme of Hebrews is Jesus is superior and what he has brought to us and brings us into relationship with the Father, having boldness to enter into the holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. What good news. What wonderful opportunity and privilege that we have to just fellowship with the Father. Jesus, of course, said in that upper room that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, we got an open line, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. My name is Jeff Figs. I don't know if I introduced myself at the beginning of the show, but I'm usually here on Tuesday. I pastor Calvary Chapel, Greeley in Northern Colorado. Always a blessing to be with you and hope you're having a blessed day. Want to bless your days. You have opportunity to be able to call in. Let's go to, uh, we're going to go to Pennsylvania, line two, L, is it? L, are you there? Ella. Ella? Hi, you're on Calvary Live. Hello. Hello. Hey, this is Bo. Is this Bo? Hey, <laughs> yes, Bo. This is B-O. Are you in, are you in, okay. I am are in, you in Pennsylvania? I'm in PA, yes. Okay, all right. Well, it was <laughs> Sorry a typo. Hey, Bo, no, you're good. I'm glad you called, and I appreciate you calling Calvary Live. You got a question for me? Yes, sir. Um, I was just curious. I've, I've heard uh, a lot more recently um, about books like the Second Esdras or um, the Book of Enoch and, like, the Apocryphers and stuff like that. And it seems like people uh, tend to hold those at the same value as, like, as the Bible would be held to. Like, the Bible is 100% true and pure. However, right. these books, um, kind of, I, 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 they're new to me. Like, they're foreign. So I know in, like, Revelation it says you shouldn't add or take away from the words of the book. So if people are saying, like, these are missing parts of the Bible, it just kind of, uh, you know. I'm just curious about yeah. that. What your thoughts are. Well, yeah, there's been those who, you know, have called in about the book of Enoch, and and even me, you know, why don't you teach the Book of Enoch or other uh, extra biblical books, the Apocryphas that the Catholic Church holds on to? The problem with the Apocrypha books is that they've never been considered in the canon of Scripture as part of the canon of Scripture. And Bo, you brought up something um, that is so true in Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. Paul tells Timothy. 
that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's all God-breathed. But those books, as you read them historically, there's parts in there that are inaccurate. There's doctrines in there that are um, contrary to what the Word of God has to say. And one of the reasons why the Catholic Church has held on to it is because it supports a doctrine like purgatory. Uh, we know from the scriptures there's no such thing as purgatory. Um, it holds to the doctrine of other things that are not biblical. So that's why they've never been considered part of the canon of scripture. Some people, they say, well, we should read that, and uh, it may contain tr- some truths, but here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible is truth, all of it, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one. And I always encourage people, there's 66 books in the Bible. Focus on reading on those. There's nothing wrong with reading the book of Enoch or, you know, some of the other things, but they're, they're not considered the canon of Scripture. We got the canon of Scripture in the 66 books that is inspired by God you know, read that, focus on that, study that. You can never exhaust the study of God's Word. And that's what Paul, in that section of Second Timothy chapter 3, when he says that all Scripture is inspired by God, he says, Timothy, you must continue in the Scriptures that you've learned from childhood. So I encourage people, you know, focus on those 66 books. And it's not just like the extra-biblical books and, you know, the, the Gospel of Thomas and, you know, the, the Gospel of Barnabas and, and other things that, that people are interested in. I understand there may be an interest, but even, like, people can get into Bible codes. Um, I remember that was a big thing 15 years ago in the church, Bible codes. And if you, you know, take this formula and, and take every six word, you know, the, you get right. this message, this hidden message, and it's like, listen, there's enough in there that is for us to study and for right. God's word to be revealed to us, that we don't need to be looking for Bible codes. So uh, just keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Genesis to Revelation, what we have in our Bible. Yes, sir. Anything yeah, else? That pretty, no, sir, that pretty much just... Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, that covers all of it, and then some. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Covers well, it covers like you... Um, you study the original, basically. You don't have to study all, study all the uh, counterfeits. You know, and I just, you know, emphasize, study. There's so much of the Bible. You know, Paul, at the end of his life, also in Second Timothy, he's writing in, in chapter 3, and then chapter 4, his last words. He would say to Timothy, as he's in that Mandertine dungeon, he's in a terrible place, he's about ready to be executed. And Paul says to Timothy, that Timothy, bring my coat. It's like it's cold here. Timothy, come to me quickly. And he said, bring the parchments. And I think, bring the parchments, you know. Wow, you know, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he never exhausted the Word of God. And he taught the Word of God. He said to the Ephesian elders, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's Word. He was always studying and reading the Word of God. And that's what I want to do. Just keep reading Mm -hmm. the Word and keep growing in the Word of God. And it's a wonderful thing to do. Appreciate Absolutely. it, Bo. Yes, sir. Thank God you. God bless. Bless you. All right. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. 
Text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Not sure is he on? Jerry. Hey, Pastor Jeff. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I have a question about the tree, the fruits, the healing of the leaves in front of the throne of God in heaven. Why are there leaves for healing? when there'll be no sickness in heaven. Well, I assume, are you making a reference to the book of Revelation? Yes, yes. And at the end of the book? Yes. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting portion of Scripture. In the new heaven and the new earth, it talks about the the leaves. Let me pull it up. And um, for the healings of the nations. And not only are there going to be nations, you know, it is the kingdom of God, but those are something I don't have a really good answer for. The leaves in chapter 22, for the sake of the listeners, uh, as he's talking about the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, that in the middle of its street and on either side the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. So apparently there's going to be 12 months. And also the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. That's that's interesting, isn't it? So what is that all yeah. about? Um, you know, Dr. John Wolvode, who was an expert, a foremost scholar on end-time prophecy, chancellor at um, Dallas Theological Seminary. I heard him speak many years ago, um, and he says uh, perhaps a visual picture represented uh, is that the river of life flows through the middle of the city, the tree large enough to span the river. Um, you know, uh, it. Uh, uh, you know, the tree of life, again, points to the restoration of all things. Um, and uh, now at last, almost the end of the great drama, the Bible man may return to legitimately enjoy the blessings which he had banished from illegitimately desiring you remember there was the tree of life in the garden of eden so Mm -hmm. um so you know that's what it's indicating the new heaven new earth um apparently heaven is still marked by time 12 months and um and you know we can eat of these tree you know the fruit um so you know it's uh it's it's interesting here um the word healing actually is the meaning of health giving, and that may be the sense here. So um, rather than, you know, healing, because there's going to be no sickness, chapter 21 tells us that, you know, right. no more sickness, no more death, no more tears, all that stuff. Um, it has the idea of just ministering, serving, worshiping, those kinds of things. So that's what we're getting a picture of, um, of, of what's taking place there. So... It'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering when I read it, I was just yeah. thinking, okay, well, that doesn't kind of make sense. And that's sense, good to do. But... Well, you know, <laughs> there's, that... a lot of th- there's a lot of things that, you know, as you, you go through, even like the book of Revelation, the millennium reign, there's a lot of things that I think about. I'm the same way. You know, like, uh, what's travel going to be like? What about us and our new heavenly bodies? Uh, the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem. Are we going to live in the new Jerusalem or are we just going to visit it? Are we going to live on new earth? I assume, um, you know, there's no more sea. Um, there's no sun. 
all these things. So those things run through uh, my mind as well. But I do know this is going to be glorious, and um, the tree of life is going to be there. But, you know, Jesus is going to make heaven heaven, right? His glory. We don't need the sun because of his glory um, that's going to fill the new heaven, new earth. And that's our final destination. And I think it's good for you, Jerry, to think about those things uh, because it helps us not to get too attached to this world. (laughs) Amen. You know, and we've got a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful future. And that's where we're going to be for forever and ever and ever with our Lord. And our, Can't you know, wait. The, fir- the last two chapters of the Bible are so glorious. So, yeah, Amen. so it's a good thing to, well, to ponder. Oh, thank you, Pastor Jeff. And um, I sure can't wait till I get there. So, <laughs> yeah, and someday we'll meet. Okay. Amen. All right. God bless you. And thank you so much. Thank you for Bye-bye. calling Calvary Live. 303-690-3000, the call-in number, the text line, 720-336-0897. We got an open line. Let's try to take a call before the break. Let's go to Virginia in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Virginia? Hi. Hi. You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Yeah, I, go ahead. I have two questions. Okay. I want to know, um, <clears throat> those that are left behind after the rapture, Will there be another opportunity for them to be saved? Or yeah, will you know, they remain on earth? Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, there's, there's been, I've been asked that a few times, and I don't know if there's a popular teaching that's going around that is saying that if you heard the gospel and then if the rapture takes place, there's no hope of salvation. Let me mm-hmm. tell you what the Bible does say. And uh, just so you know, Virginia, you got a couple questions. If you hear mm-hmm. the music, We'll just kind of break, and then yes, we'll come yes. back after the break. But mm-hmm. what the Bible says is this, that there's going to be a great revival in the tribulation period. I hold to the view that we are going to be raptured before the tribulation period, and then okay. that final seven-year period that will begin with the Antichrist that will rise up on the scene. He will become a world leader. And in the Mm -hmm. middle of that seven-year period, which is more formally called Daniel's 70th week that we read about in Daniel chapter 9, that in the middle of that week, he's going to go into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, tells us, into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, and he's going to proclaim himself as God, to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. So at that time, he's going to destroy the false worldwide church. He's going to command the world to worship him. And in that, we know that um, anyone who does not take the mark of the beast will be persecuted by him. We know from Revelation chapter 14 that an angel will, will proclaim that if you take the mark of the beast, then there's no hope of salvation. Now, does that mean that if you have rejected the gospel, the rapture happens, that there's no hope of salvation after that. I don't see that in the scriptures. I do know that Second Thessalonians talks about that they'll be given over to strong delusion. They'll believe the lie. And so what is that lie? I, I believe the lie is, is that he proclaims to be God and mm-hmm. um, to take the mark of the beast. So I believe there is hope for salvation for the one who doesn't take the mark of the beast that the angel will specifically, the three proclamations, one is the everlasting gospel, 
One is Babylon has fallen. And the third proclamation is you take the mark of the beast, you will not be saved. You can read that in Revelation chapter 14. And, okay. and, but there's going to be a great revival in the tribulation period. We know from the 144,000 Jews um, that are mentioned in chapter 7, uh, that from every tribe, tongues, people, and nation, uh, that there are those being saved from the angel and the proclamation and Revelation chapter 11, that there is the two witnesses in Jerusalem as well. So I pray that, that you know, that people that we witness mm-hmm. to, that they will get saved in the tribulation period and they won't yes. take the mark of the beast. So you hang on, so. Virginia. I and will. then after... After the break, we're going to come back. And Sammy, I hope you can hang on as well. Thank you. As we'll get back to the phone lines, we'll be right back. Got one open line, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Biggs. I pastor Calvary Chapel in Greeley, Colorado, northern Colorado. So beautiful up here. And and uh, we just just watching the clouds pass by. It's springtime. And uh, the spring, as uh, we have been praying for those in the Midwest, the severe weather going through the Midwest. And, and it's the time of year where there's growth, there's um, life and um, warmth coming, but the, also it can be a time of, uh, of severe weather and turmoil and things, and that can happen spiritually. And, and so we just want to be a blessing to you. And whether you're going through a time of growth and warmth and, and just blessing um, and things are well, or whether you're going through turmoil, storms are in your life, uh, that we want to pray for you. So give me a call. You heard those numbers, 303 690 3000 is the call-in number. The text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We got an open line. We've been focused on the phone calls. We're going to continue to do that and get back to the phone lines. We were talking with Virginia from Lancaster, and she had one question. In Virginia, yes, did you hi. did you want to follow up on that uh, first question that you asked at all? No, that was uh, sufficient information, and I will read okay. Revelation 14. Thanks so much. You are welcome. I did have one more question. Uh-huh. So that question is, can you still remarry after divorce if your spouse leaves you? Well, Paul writes about that, and <clears throat> let me tell you what he writes about in mm-hmm. um First Corinthians chapter seven, because they're asking about marriage and divorce, and he goes on to say that um, for them to keep their marriage vows, because the Corinthian church mm-hmm. they were coming out of paganism, many of them were were married to unbelievers, and he talks about that you are to keep your marriage vows, and he goes on to say um, that. Let me read it to you, but even. Um, I command you, not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband mm-hmm. is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if a brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with them, 
let him not mm-hmm. divorce her. So he's saying, you know, if you've got an unbeliever, they're willing to remain married, live with you, you mm-hmm. remain married. But, um, and he goes on to say, for if the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Mm-hmm. And then he says, but if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So mm-hmm. a couple instances, biblical reasons for divorce. Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 19. In the case of sexual immorality, he says, if you divorce your spouse, you marry another, you commit um, you know, mm-hmm. adultery, um, right. except for the case of sexual immorality. The second thing Paul says here, that if you have an unbelieving spouse that leaves, then let them depart. And so that's the mm-hmm. second reason. Um, so what now, does that mean right there? You still cannot get married or what? Well, he leaves it there. If and he then leaves. he goes, yeah, and he right. goes on to to say, oh, okay. you know, you know, you are to live as you are called. But, but here's the thing, Virginia, mm-hmm. is... There are many people I know in my church that that have been divorced and they've been remarried, and mm-hmm. they got divorced for different reasons. They got divorced. They they know that um, they got divorced for um, it was sin. It wasn't the best what God had for them. They got what remarried. What if it was an Paul's, abusive marriage? What if he well, tried yeah, to kill you there, and you had no choice? Yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah, there's different reasons, and right. you know and. Uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's a hard thing. And mm-hmm. I believe in a God of grace where here's the, here's the balance of it. We're to take our marriage vows very seriously, but he gives the guidelines for that. He says that if you marry another, that you committed adultery there, mm-hmm. he's saying it's sin, but he doesn't say you're living in adultery because I've had people that called up and said, well, I got divorced and I got remarried. Should I divorce my spouse now and try to remarry and be reconciled to my first you know, spouse? And they're married. Mm-hmm. And it, no, you're married. So keep your marriage vows. So mm-hmm. there is forgiveness. It's not an unforgiving you know, sin. And people get okay. divorced. I've been in ministry for 30 years and, mm-hmm. you know, for different reasons. And, um, you know, that they got divorced sometimes because they weren't a believer and they just, you know, for whatever reason. But the thing is, is that he gives the guidelines and, and then, you know, when we get remarried, um, you know, pray about it, seek the Lord on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then know that, um, that, that's something that God calls a holy institution and stuff. So, you know, there can be, yeah. So, you know, okay. that's what the word of God says. You got to take it and you got to pray through it. And, right. Yeah. And I want to take will. away from mm-hmm. what the word has to say. Um, but I also know that divorce is not an unforgivable sin as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I'll pray. All right. If there's anything thank else you we so can do for you. Thank you so much for your help. And, you bet. Okay. You bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Sammy. Sammy's been waiting in Denver. Are you there? I'm here. Sammy? Yeah. How are you? Thank you for holding. Oh, thank you. My, so my question is, I have someone very close to me who is an addict, a heroin mm-hmm. addict, 
and they're in a lot of pain because of the lack of uh, lack of getting. Yeah. And they asked me for money, and I love them very much, and I'm going to give them the money. I don't. I I know inside me that there's something wrong with that. I mean, it's their sickness, but they're very sick. Mm-hmm. I if they were sick with cancer, I'd give them money for their doctor bills. I right. I can't make them stop. There's nothing I can do. But is there anything in the Bible about that? Well, Sammy, here's the thing that you need to consider is. There's a difference between helping somebody and enabling somebody. You know this relative, you know, and the one thing you don't want to do is enable them to continue in something that is going to continue in their addiction and and eventually bring death to them if they continue in it. So, you know, that's that's the thing you need to consider. And you're telling me that there's just, you got questions, you're wrestling with this. Paul would write in Colossians chapter 3 that he you know he prays for the peace of God to rule in our hearts and that word rule means that God makes the call and is there a peace that rules in your heart about giving this relative money and i sense from you in just the short conversation that we've had is that you're troubled by it you you can't help them that's true but there is a difference between helping somebody and enabling somebody and giving them money. Are you just going to enable them in their addiction? And that's not a good thing. You don't want to enable somebody to continue in sin. And, you know, it's it's a hard thing. You know, we get people that call the church that we don't know anything about and they, they want money and they want cash. We don't give cash. We don't give cash because I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to go out and buy liquor? And I learned that early because I remember years ago that somebody, he, he wanted money. He just, he needed help. And then, you know, I said, okay, we'll give him $50 so he can buy groceries. Well, he's down at the liquor store buying liquor. You know, he, he had a drinking problem. And all we did was enable him rather than help him. So pray about how you might be able to actually help this individual in ways that um, if you give them money, they're just going to go out and buy drugs. Um, you're not helping them. You're enabling them to continue in that. But to think about and pray about how can I help this individual? How can I help them um, and to where they're not taking that money and they're buying drugs with it? And um, it might be that, you get some things and deliver it to them, food or whatever, um, if a gift card can work. But I'd be very careful about giving cash or anything like that because you don't want to just enable them to continue in that. Does that help out? Yes, thank you. Can I pray for you? Please. Father, I pray for Sammy. Is She has a relative. She cares for her. But Lord, to, for her to really have wisdom and discernment at this time, to be able to to help, not just enable uh, this relative in their addiction that is hurting. And Lord, I just pray for this relative that you would free them from this addiction, that that Sammy would have the words of turning to you, uh, to be freed by you, to get the help that truly this person needs, to use wisdom in that, um, and Lord, to really help in a way that will benefit them um, and not 
for them to continue in their addiction. So, Lord, I just pray for her that you'd help her, give her peace that rules in her heart, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This name, amen. Thank you. Oh, you bet, Sammy. We'll be praying. Thank you. Bye. Uh, you, mm-hmm. Got an open line, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Aguaria. Did I say that in Memphis? Yes. I think I said your Can you tell me your name? Yes, it's Aquaria. Oh, I was right. Well, yes. good. I'm glad you called. Thank, Thank you. you for Thank calling. You. Uh, you bet. Yes, I had like two questions. Um, you you were talking about the mark of the beast, and um, I, I kind of read Revelation, and I wrote down my own, um, I paraphrased it in my own words, and I was always mm-hmm. wondering, if you take the mark of the beast, can the mark be undone? Not according to Revelation chapter 14. Now, I think what's important is, that we understand what the mark of the beast is, because when the whole vaccination thing was coming out with COVID, I had people calling me up saying, I was told that if I get vaccinated, I take the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast is making your allegiance to the Antichrist after he goes into the rebuilt temple to proclaim himself as God. What he's saying is, is that you're going to worship me as God. And so as you read verse 6 forward in Revelation chapter 14, um, he says the proclamations is that the angels are flying across the whole world to everyone. The third angel followed verse 9 of Revelation 14, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine in the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angel, in the presence of the lamb. You know, he goes on to say that they shall not rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And so he gives indication here as he writes this, um, the proclamation is, is that you've taken the mark of the beast. There's no hope of salvation that is given to you. So that's why the warning is given to every single person. So it's important for us to understand because I had people calling and saying, I think I lost my salvation because I took the mark of the beast. Listen, you didn't take the mark of the beast. Um, We're not in the tribulation period. You're not worshiping the Antichrist. He didn't, you know, the abomination of desolation spoken of in Daniel chapter 9 has not taken place. So it's very, very important that we understand what the the um, mark of the beast is and when it will take place. Keep everything in its context. Okay. okay. Thank you. I, I also have one more question. Um, it was about um, the spouses. Um, and yeah. when you marry, the two become one flesh, right? Right. So... Um, if you have a spouse that is unbelieving and one that is believing, because they're one flesh, will both of them be saved because of the one believing spouse? Yeah, and that's part of, um, well, not yes, they are both saved, but um, I think what you're thinking of is in verse 14 of First Corinthians chapter 7, where I was reading, 
For if the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Paul's saying they are sanctified. It does not say that they are saved. Um, Every person has to be accountable before God. Uh, You're not a Christian because your spouse is a Christian. You're not a Christian or a believer because your parents are believers. Um, You know the saying that God doesn't have grandchildren. He just has children. You're not a Christian because you go to a church. You have to come individually and make that decision for Jesus Christ and come in faith. So every person has to make that decision. What it means here is that they are sanctified, is that there is blessing and benefit that comes to the unbelieving spouse because they're married to a believing spouse. Um, It's kind of like, I don't know if this is the best example, but, you know, being a believer, if, if I get on a plane and God has a plan for me and I'm, you know, he wants me to go, I'm traveling to go to uh, teach at a, um, at a, you know, conference or something. And those people that are in that plane, that that's his will for me to, to go to that conference and teach. They are sanctified in a sense for being in the plane. That plane is not going to crash. Um, God's going to get me there. I'm going to do the ministry that he's called me to. So there's blessing and there's benefit of the believing spouse. They are a witness. They are a proclaimer of of truth to that unbelieving spouse. And so that's what it's saying. But it does not automatically mean that the unbeliever, and Paul's very specific. He says the unbeliever, they're not a believer. They are sanctified, but he's not saying they are saved. Right. Okay, that's what I was kind of confused about, sanctified and saved. Okay, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you calling. Call back with any questions you might have. Love to hear from you. Okay, thank you. You bet. You have a blessed day. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. We've got a couple open lines, so grab one of those open lines as we're just moving forward with phone calls. Lots of phone calls today. Good questions, good solid questions. Text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Fort Lauderdale. Mincha, Mincha. Oh, it, it's Lincha. Yes. Thank you for calling. You're on Calvary Live. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I was listening to the station, and I figured um, I'd call to seek some advice in regards to um, me wavering. I'm, I'm wavering between my spirit and my flesh. Um, I know what's right, just like I know what's wrong. Um, it's just I'm getting a lot of negative feedback. Um, i currently pregnant and just found out a couple of weeks ago. Um, however, my now ex-boyfriend... Um, I guess his mother is is against the whole factor of me being pregnant um, for his child, but he doesn't have any kids. And me, on the other hand, I have five. So she's okay. being very judgmental and things of that nature. And he's cursing and harassing me. It's like, too much to deal with, and I'm like, uh, I think I'm gonna throw in the towel and just get the 
abortion. Okay. Okay. The Bible says, and you're wrestling with that because you're getting pressure put on you. The Bible says, choose between death and life. Amnesia, choose life. That's what God's will is for you. And in Psalm 139, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That child God loves, and it is a child that is inside of you. And he desires, as we know from the scriptures, that as we stand on the sanctity of life, that that is a baby that God is creating. And he loves that baby, and he loves you. You choose life, and don't let anyone tell you to choose death, okay? And you have five precious children. I know you're in a tough spot, but there are people— and and I I understand how hard and difficult it can be, but there are people that can be there to help you. I don't know if you belong to a church at all, but there can be those who are there. There are pregnancy resource centers that are there to give you counsel, to help you. But that baby, that baby is being formed by God. You choose life, and that's what God's will is for you. And you may be harassed and told that that, you know, is such an inconvenience and economic reasons why you shouldn't have this baby. Have that baby. That's God's will. And you choose life and that there are options that that you can look at those resources, whether there's adoption or whether you keep the baby or there's resources to help you. But there are people that are there to reach out to you is you're there, you know, in your city and to call the resource centers to, to have the church. If you're involved, I, I pray that you are, but there are, there are resources there to help you. But I want you to know that God sees that baby and God loves that baby and he loves you. And he wants you to keep that baby. There's no doubt about it. Will you, just trust in the Lord and rest in his promises given to you. As I'm going to read to you from Psalm 139, uh, and, you know, it's a theme that we're going to have for our Vacation Bible School um, for the kids this year, and I think it's something that is so important that the Lord says this, that you are formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. This is what David writes. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious, listen, also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great is the sum of them, that it should count them. They would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And so David is saying, you know me, you search me, you understand me. And, and the Lord loves you, and he is with you, and that baby is very precious inside of you. Choose life, choose life. That's God's will for you. Okay? Okay. 
you, there, there are people there to help you. Look for a pregnancy resource center that will give you counsel, that will help you, people that will steer you in the right direction. Listen, we very much support the Pregnancy Resource Center here where I live in Greeley. And, um, you know, my wife has been on the board. We have numerous, and even people that have come through the church here, testimonies of women who were abortion-minded. And the pressure was put on them from a boyfriend, from even a husband, to abort their child. And they chose to keep their child because they knew that's what God wanted them to do. That was God's will. And and as they did... I've made that decision for my other children. I mean, I love them mm-hmm. very much because they and, are a blessing. Yeah. Well, I don't like, you know, running across stumbling blocks where I can't provide for them, and I right. don't want it to be the same with this. Yeah. But that baby is precious, and there there are things and other options that are much better where that baby lives. That baby has the right to live. And I pray that you make that right choice. And there, again, are options, whether that is, you know, they can tell you and they can counsel you. Get godly counsel. Don't take the counsel of the world. Okay. The counsel of the world is going to bring death. And God wants you to choose life. And when you make that right decision, you're going to see him working. Okay? So okay. you go go to the, the resource center. I don't know where you're calling from. It, it doesn't matter. But there are those those Christian resource centers that are all over the country that will help you and that will guide you and give you good counsel. And, and it's going to give you a peace in your heart as you do what is right in the sight of God. That baby has the right to live. That is a baby inside of you. You know that. You've had five children. Choose life. Okay? Can I, can, yes. I, can I pray for you before we go off the air? Yes. Father, I pray for my sister. She's getting just a lot of pressure to abort her baby, that she would choose life, that she would know that that baby inside of her, you love, you are wonderfully and fearfully making that baby and that there is hope. And as she does what is right and honors life and the sanctity of life, that you take her to the right people and the right resources. And Lord, that she wouldn't bow to the pressure of the world that wants to bring death and excuses and a reason to say you can't keep uh, this baby she would trust in you is what I pray that as she does what is right in your sight, that you're going to provide for her and that you're going to bless and that she can step out in faith knowing that you're with her. You promise you'll never leave her forsake her. Even as the psalmist David writes in this Psalm that you are always with her and, and Lord, that she would know how precious are the thoughts towards this child, towards her. And Lord, help her if she's in a bad situation, a tough situation, but there's nothing too difficult for you to work. There is nothing too difficult. So I pray that you would work, that you give her peace that passes understanding. And Lord, that you just, Lord, speak in that still small voice, 
for her to keep her baby and Lord, to get the help that she needs that I know that there's there where she's calling from, from Florida and Lord, that you would just, just re- help her to, to be resolved in this decision to do what is right in your sight. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, you call, you call back if you need prayer. Okay. But okay, get thank those, you, so you get those resources. Okay. Get those okay. resources. There are people there to help you, but most of all, the Lord's going to help you. You wait, you see, you're going to see that the Lord's going to bless the right decision that you make. Okay. Okay. The Lord loves you. <laughs> Thank you. The Lord loves that baby and loves all five of your babies that you are taking care of. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're here to minister. You know, sometimes when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, we trust the Lord. And when we make that right decision for the Lord, you're going to see him work. He's going to honor that decision. Trust in his word. Do what is right. The world's going to come along and tell you to compromise his ways going to tell you to choose death over life choose life choose the way of the lord's and you're going to see him working in a powerful way hey god bless you thank you everybody for calling calvary live will be back tomorrow at the same time have a great evening you've been listening to calvary live Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.